Well, we've got here, Alice. A group of reality show contestants must survive the night in a haunted jail. Well, it seems like the audience wasn't the only one that was watching. This sounds like a job for crime scene investigation. Hello and welcome to the first episode of I Spit on Your Grave Presents Prime Scene Investigation. Or if you want to, PSI Sheffield or PSIS if you're an NCIS fan. I am joined by my regular co host, Faye. Hello! Mercer. Hello! How are we today, both of you? Are we well? Uh, doing good, thank you. Looking forward to deep diving into some, I, I don't want to say trash, I'm not saying trash, just doing some deep dives. I, I, I'm quite excited. It feels new and fresh and, and exciting and hopefully we've got something interesting to say. Hopefully. Are you saying our, our existing format is old, jaded and tired and we've needed a reboot? Is that what you're saying? Exactly what I'm saying. I will say this though, when you say PSIS, um, my mind just says piss. So, <laughs> yeah, I thought the same. <laughs> is he saying piss? No, he's not saying piss. Okay, well, we'll we'll stick the we'll stick the P- PSI Sheffield or Prime Scene Investigation. Thank you to everyone for joining us on this new format that we're we're giving a whirl. Basically, while we love debating our favourite horror movies in our different sub-genres, we do feel that, unfortunately, we don't get the chance to give every film the thorough going over and thorough autopsying that they deserve. So what better to do than pick a random film from Prime, use our patented random number generator and have a deep dive into that particular movie. And first out of the blocks, and blessed to be the first one in hopefully a series, is file number one, which is 2011's The Task from Alex Orwell. Mm. Right. I would say, has anyone seen this before? I know at least two of us must not have in order for it to qualify as a open file for us to watch so has anyone seen this before i did see this before in a time a long long time ago um so it's it is a bit of a blur no it's, it's star me... wars just star wars you're talking about there mercer not, not the oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no this this particular film i did watch a long time ago because i did have a bit of a um a thing with like the after dark um, films and the After Dark festivals and the um, they did like um, eight films to die for, so I kind of I, I kind of got on board with them and watched a couple of them. So that was like you know when I was experimenting with horror. I went experimenting with horror. That's a stupid thing to say. When I was experimenting, I'm now full horror sexual. <laughs> I remember that one. I remember that one time I went to a club and I OD'd on horror. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Well, 
<laughs> but no, so it was a long time. And, you know, anyone who knows me, when I said that I did something a long time ago, I would have been drunk. And that's just a reality. So um, nothing really makes sense to me pre kind of like, maybe 2011. I might not have been drunk. No, I would have been drunk. No, you were drunk. Yeah. Oh, drunk. Definitely. <laughs> so it was, for me, it was a rewatch, but it was, um, it was an, an interesting rewatch. Now that I look at, you know, because as you get older, I say this all the time, I think as we get older, we experience more things in life and watch more films and talk to more people who've got a love for horror. You, you do tend to take different views and different things on when you watch things. Um, so yeah, it was interesting to watch. I'm looking forward to Mercer's Thought for the Day podcast spin-off that we're going to do, do later on. You know, on life's journey, you see things, you do things. Thanks, Chris. you <laughs> first time watch for you then? First time for me. Probably be the last one, but we'll get into that. Yeah, first first watch for me as well. So let's put on our gloves and dive deep into the sticky innards of the task, I guess. I suppose the best place to start is the beginning. <laughs> Who Very knew? good place to start. So, the quick overview of the play here, essentially, we, what we have here is fear factor meets scare tactics. So, six individuals, $20,000 if they manage to stay the night in this old, creepy, abandoned prison. And then they go, and shit goes to the wall, as is so often the case in this kind of scenario. Shall we maybe talk about um, the characters first and foremost? Because, you know, it's it's just a whole bunch of stereotypes. Not in a good way. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to go like ahead in the film, but there's one point where the gay character holds a flashlight gaily. And I don't I don't think that should be something that you should be focusing in on. That comes fairly soon after the opening. So what I'd want to do is just pedal back slightly. And what I would say as well, before we go any further, since this is a deep dive, there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers aplenty. And within the first minute, I expect there will be one. So the character there, as you're saying, when he gets kidnapped at the start with the, with the van, so that's so Dick said. So I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. I think the start of the film kind of feels a, like it's setting it up for a, a, a really good film, <laughs> for a much better film than it actually turns out to be, if I'm being honest. I quite like the whole um, multi camera angle um, of Dick, like while Dick's is working. And I quite like the whole kidnapping scene and the way like the woman can like gives the look up to the. Um, the camera like it's done I despise that I hated it I thought the whole opening scene looked like it was done on Windows 96 I absolutely hated it <laughs> I was going to say I'm also going to tell you why you're wrong there sir <laughs> so the, the, one of the biggest issues I have with this is they've signed up to a game show where they have to go to an abandoned creepy prison and I know you'll say oh it's four months down the line since they actually did the audition for it but I'm sorry, 
if you get bundled into the back of the van with people wearing a load of pig mask, and your first thought is not, oh my God, I'm being kidnapped by a weird set of psychos. Your first thought is, oh great, that audition tape I sent off really paid off. But it's not for them, is it? They do genuinely think they're being kidnapped. And actually, that's what I said. For me, the opening of the film with the kidnapping doesn't make it doesn't need automatically, it doesn't automatically make you go, This is a TV show. Because let's be real, no TV show in their right mind would allow its contestants to be randomly kidnapped off the street without the fear of them suing the shit out of them. And if you have auditioned for something like four months ago, like, unless they very explicitly said to you, if you get this part, we are going to hunt you down when you least expect it, um, then, yeah, it's explainable. But they don't because they explain it to them once they're all together. So that's why I like the opening, because I think it's, it's, setting, it's setting the film up in a way that lets you believe that these characters are oblivious to everything that's going to happen. Um, but then it's also pretty shit because in reality, that would never happen. Although it is a film. I think the whole setup in the beginning is just so you can show people with pig masks on, which will make you think of Saw and lead you to believe that this is going to be a good film because there are several Saw references throughout the film. But this, this is cemented in it. It's, 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 false, it's false advertising. Also, the people stand on the street as this fan like kid, kidnaps this guy, watches, and then just go about their daily business. I'm sorry if you're saying, "Oh, it look it, it's to look it would look real," and they'd be terrified. And everyone just goes, "Oh, look, that guy's been kidnapped." Plus the fact that they have all the contestants in the van. So they've done this what six, seven times at this point, and no one said, "Oh, hang on," and they're. They also happen to be quite lucky that all the contestants live in the same area. Or are they crisscrossing the country to do this? You say this. We, we were in a, um, a queue once, first, a sleeper queue for tickets, for Fright Fest, and I went to the toilet, and I'm pretty sure I got I saw a woman getting mugged, and I couldn't do anything about it, so I went back to the line. So people will absolutely not intervene in situations like that, especially in America. You're going to get stabbed, or you're going to get a shot. So... Yeah, so we have we have the kidnapping, which, depending on your point of view, is either high octane, terrifying, thrills, or a little bit naff. We get them, we get them all together for the first, the first time. So we get introduced to this motley bunch of characters here, and we get to have their audition tapes as well. And Faye, I'm gonna let you have first crack at this because I know you obviously started with it at the beginning and I cut you off because I wanted to go back. So here, have the floor and you can uh, go go wild. I mean, we, we'll obviously touch upon this at the end as well because it ties in with the ending, but the stereotypes involved in this bunch of characters just riles me up. You've got the black guy who just comes out with nothing but, how would you describe it? Slang? <laughs> like Black Particular- slang? Yeah, particular mannerisms that you'd say, well, someone has clearly never met a a person of colour if they believe that's all they say. The uh, the brains who's, you know, done up in a suit and wearing glasses and got a hair tie back. The hot one who's, like, always flirting with the camera. The jock. 
the gay guy and oh grated on me also little fact for you the guy who plays the gay guy was actually r wayne in the um peter k pop star thing on itv you know when he was doing geraldine geraldine mcqueen was it is that a win from that and i was like oh, no way. sorry mercy yes um i completely agree with you the stereotypes of the characters like the very first it's one of the things i put i'm like like the just obvious stereotypes as well so like right down to like stupid little things like so um like you said the brainy indian girl has to have glasses on because glasses equals intelligence the gay boy has to wear a tight fitting white t-shirt with a scarf on because you know he has to be flamboyant but the edgy rocky girl has to have rock right across the front of her t-shirt uh, and have an attitude problem because you know he's edgy and rocker i oh. like what made me laugh about that as well is they've got her in this emo gear that's like so clearly that era, but then they've got her in patent ballet shoes. I'm like, she's not running through a fucking abandoned hospital in ballet shoes. She's going to cut her foot open. Give us some new rocks. The, I didn't notice the, the shoes. The only thing I would, the only thing I would say with the stereotyping, I'm completely with you that it is awful, but with the twist that comes at the end, it's whether they would say. Well, yeah, they they were bad actors playing a range of stereotypes as you'd as you'd expect to find on this kind of TV show. I, I've got my theories on that myself. So I am gonna agree to some extent that obviously within the scenario of the film, take take away any kind of upcoming twist, but within the scenario of the film, trying to make a TV show that would um, appeal to everybody. If we look at a lot of reality TV shows, actual real reality TV shows, we see a lot of stereotypes. People live up because they play for the camera. So they play to, to a stereotype because that's what works, because that's what people watch and either relate to or aspire to be or despise. But what was frustrating for me was that the stereotypes transcended away from just the characters. So when we got to meet Connie, the TV producer, like she come on as this, I'm a big, powerful masculine but feminine woman who i mean just like just be like you know you don't have to like there's this idea that she had to wear a suit to show power and dominance over yeah. men and had to like insult them and it's like she doesn't she could just be i completely yeah you're completely right in the same way you got the stoner tech guy and then the other the other dicking around tech guys in the van who again of a stereotype, but then again, the twist at the end, the twist at the end, they can use that to explain that away. It's almost like they, it's almost like they, they, they got the characters realize what they'd written, and then reworked the story around it. You cannot say that Victor Maguire's accent in this film is just pissing around for her because it comes off like fucking Johnny Tightlips from Simpsons. He's literally never heard an American accent before in his life. It's in numbers. Like, why are you talking like that? Gee, Ma, I'm having a world, Ma. <laughs> so, I'm glad you picked up on accents because what I've literally put is I'm 10 minutes in and all I am doing in this film is going, that's a shit accent. That's a really bad accent. Where is she supposed to be from? The um, 
blonde-haired girl. Um, and then I thought it was funny that we've got these British people doing the American accents, and then we've got an Irish actress doing the British girl. I'm just like, just fucking hire people with, like, or just make the characters, like, from where they're from. Exactly. Like, I said the same. It just drives me crazy. Um, and then, sorry, I just, we, we, we forgot Pissing Boy. So one thing that this film doesn't do is it doesn't, it, it, it literally doesn't try and disguise the fact that Pissing Boy is in on the thing. Like, I know we see it quite quickly and it's supposed to be like a reveal, I think, when he walks into Cabin and he's like, yes, I think Pissing It's like, um, you realise you didn't throw his audition the only one whose audition we didn't see, or whose name we didn't get. Everyone else got a shoe. Oh, I'm pretty. Um, <laughs> are, you doing, are you doing Johnny Tight Lips again, Mercer? Don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> what annoyed me more with Pissy Boy is the fact that he disappears. <laughs> he goes in, goes, oh, I was, oh, yes, I'm secretly behind it. So secretly fucks off for the rest of the film. It literally makes no sense. His relevance is pointless. He's just there to tell us that something else happened in the prison. Not there to make them more scared, like, uh, you know. I mean, for the plot of the film itself, like, obviously within the film, he's there to make them more scared. But for us as the viewers, his only real action there is to drive the people died in this prison storyline, which we get like a brief, like, oh, 20 homeless people died. And she's like, yeah, and? And it's like, all right, that's, that story is done. We'll never come back to that again. <laughs> like, okay, good. We're introduced to the cast. We've had our audition tapes. I want them all to die by the time we've gone through the audition tapes. I hate all of them so much. And we, we are off and running into the prison. So we have a couple of classic tropes. So they've got all the sound effects going around the prison. So we know it's all rigged up. Same as most of these scare mazes and attractions. We have the first classic something's wrong with the technology trope when the camera's cut out in the van. So we're immediately, oh, oh, something here isn't right. Ghost in the machine. I like it when they get into the prison, how out of some place that's supposed to have been abandoned for how many years, there's a clear path for them to walk down. There is no debris in the way. It's all laid out for them. How nice. I mean, to be fair, there have been people in setting up cameras and stuff. So I guess they will have, they've got to clear the path somewhat because, you know, their insurance might not cover them falling over, but it will cover them being kidnapped and having their phone stolen. Uh, so. Mate, their insurance went out a window the minute she walked in there with ballet shoes on because I am telling you, tetanus, <laughs> that's going to happen. And oh my God. When they start talking about the fears and stuff, like the first guy's like, oh, rather than saying, I've got a fear of religion, he's like, I have a fear of all things religious. No, just say religion. What a weird way to fucking put that. Man, a man who's never been able to walk past the church without having a panic attack. (laughs) So when he had to go and read the, um, when he had to go and read the Lord's Prayer backwards, I was really hoping they were just going to have a room packed full of popes. And you had to walk into it. So you jumping ahead just to that. First of all, a couple of things that I thought were amazing is how well they all knew chess pieces. I've just got to say, because I didn't know the problem work. No, no one called it the horsey. 
they'll know instinctively, like they know exactly what chess piece they picked. I'm like, well done, well done, you lot, because literally, I would, I'd, I'd be like, it's that, it's a castle, is what I call it, the castle. I'm the castle. Um, but in it typical, I'm the white queen. Oh, Chris, Chris called like, that. He called that straight away. He went queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'd just like to point out that's when they went in to get the chess pieces. I didn't see yeah. him come on screen and shout queen, shout queen at him. Um, and what else I don't like, so this is where I think the, the film kind of starts lit, starts going wrong. <laughs> so first of all, the, the clown scare that we get. So, you know, they've all picked the pieces and they watch that television and there's that little bunny rabbit. And it's like the videos that you, you people used to make you watch where you, it's like, watch this car very closely or follow this maze. And then that jump scare yeah. comes up. We do that. And what's funny is even the people sat in the film don't jump. They just go, oh, that was freaky. I'm like, it was terrible and that oh she's like that clown's really really creepy and i'm like it's far from fucking creepy it's not a creepy clown at all crown crown <laughs> not a creepy clown at all is it with it's like cheap red wig on and stuff i was just like mm, no i'm not buying this i'm not scared so yeah so we get as we get the first task and it's the the white queen or randall who has to do the task now this really, really bugs me because it says before he does its task, it's like, right, you take a torch, they'll speak to you through the device, and then they will use the map in the prison warden's office to guide you to where you go. And then immediately it shows us that the directions are on the computer screen in front of them. And they're not having to use a map at all. I'm like, why did you say that? Why did you say that? It just doesn't make sense. Tension, that's why. But I'm just like, they're reading. They're reading. Now, I'm not going to lie. After 40 minutes of listening to them directing Randall to this room, <laughs> I was ready to give up now at this point. I was like, seriously, this is the longest, the most long-winded let's get from point A to B of any story I've ever seen. And then, and then the fear kicked in, the actual real fear kicked in for me because I was like, Oh my God, how many more times are they going to do this? <laughs> how many more times are we going to have someone being directed somewhere? Would your, would your greatest fear be watching people being directed then? <laughs> well, yes, apparently it is. Because I was like, I'm going to have tenant lights on and everything now. I, I, honestly, I would just like, this is so long. So yeah, so obviously Mercy said about Stanton. Immense journey, which should have been his task. To be honest, rather than just reading the uh, the Lord's Prayer backwards, should have just been to get to the place. Let's talk about how bizarrely disproportionate the actual tasks are. Stanton obviously has to sit there and read the Lord's Prayer backwards in a dark room. Nah, not exactly shit yourself, kind of terrifying there. Dixon buried in a massive pit of crap. Tony. Gas chamber. So, and then shoe, eat a bit of meat. And for be fair, we were being called shoe. I was a little disappointed they hadn't gone through eating pastry. But <laughs> that's yeah, massively disproportionate. Unfairly so. They are disproportionate. And it 
it's weird because they try and make the task obviously fit the fear that the people were told about like they talked about in the previous um videos yeah their auditions for the show but i don't know there was just something about like i mean tony's didn't really fit like being left alone getting gassed um not really sure um but dixon's i quite like dixon's um as in i quite like that moment where he gets in and then what happens is the warden appears out of nowhere Mm. now what confuses me or what did confuse me in the film was what we discover is that the story about the warden is actually not true and the prison actually had uh, it was to do with female prisoners and um whatever went on with them like they had their own babies or something i can't remember exactly what the <laughs> what the reason was that the, the police they, they didn't want to use that so they created the warden story had the pictures of the warden so where the fuck like you know on like when you're watching this obviously spoilers will come up but at this point i'm like how the fuck does this warden manifest from a made-up story like why is nobody like even the producer like when she's like watching it why she's not going oh this is made up though no from from my understanding the warden story the original one is true but the the host finds out is actually even more extreme than they actually were saying. So yeah. that's why it turns from, oh, there's been 20 homeless, pe- homeless people found dead in there and he abused the prisoners. And you go, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's kind of kind of shitty and kind of, yeah, you'd find that kind of creepy to go and absolutely batshit this warden was absolutely mental by the time. And that's when he has a go up for not, tell- not using the actual true story of how bad it were. And that's when she's saying that the town was going to sue. So that's why they didn't. I like the fact they go, the warden ran around ran around the uh, prison naked, not answering to anyone. Naked apart from the wranglers he's got on. <laughs> you mean all Bronson? All Bronson roaming the halls? Because he does. You could not have made him look more like the guy. But just going back to the fears just for a little bit, they should have adopted the don't tell the bride theory here. So you know when you go and don't tell the bride? you would absolutely think that you would have had a conversation with your partner before about everything you want, about the dress you want, about the kind of reception you want, where you want to get married, and just not tell producers. If you go in on a show where they're trying to expose your fears, lie. Lie and pick something amazing. Like I, like I said to Chris last night, I'd be like, I'm scared of cheese. I can't eat cheese. I'm terrified of it. So when they tried to give me cheese, I'd be like, Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> Vile. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I get what you mean. I guess the the idea is, well, I obviously it depends what you get from the film and how closely you listen to it. Because I, in my mind, honestly, still think that these people didn't know what they were auditioning for when they auditioned, so they auditioned for a reality TV show, not the reality TV show that they're on. So it was just, like, general questions. And, like, you know, I reckon they were asked a lot more other things, but, like, you know, like, the fear part's just, like, thrown in there just to, you know, give an idea. I don't think the fears that they gave were scary enough to warrant 
the film. The only one who had something that was relatively like scary as a fear really was um, Dixon with the being encaged, like with claustrophobia or buried alive or something like that. That's the only one that like I think is like a real kind of fear that you could use in a horror film to play off. And Dixon was like the least fleshed out character as well. Like we said in the beginning, it was just like slang after slang and that's all they used him for. They didn't give him any real dialogue. Um, but he ended up having the worst fucking death. Poor guy. As we find out, he has death, obviously. He, he has death. He has death. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry, Mrs. Jones. Your husband has death. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean. What I would say at this point, I'm going to do something highly controversial and praise the film for something here. Shock. When everything starts going horribly wrong and everything appears to be falling apart in the little mobile studio, it is genuinely quite a clever way they work around it with the belief that actually, no, they're trying to play. They're trying to go for that additional scare footage with the back with the additional crew. I'm, I don't care what anyone says on it. I think as a workaround, it's a ridiculously clever idea. It would have it been a lot better had it not been delivered by the guy from Brookhead, who was just like the worst at giving the information. It was like an excited mouse. And the way that like they all stare at the camera and then have a conversation as if they're pretending that they don't know. And they even said it on camera. Um, I actually, Chris, what's funny is I've literally put, oh, my God, this is such annoying. This is such an annoying way to cover the kind of idea that something's going on inside the prison with this. Oh, the studio must be doing it. That's it. Oh, what do you do? Like, no, let's not check. Let's let's just believe that this is what the studio will do in. I was just like, that's so lazy. Oh, one man's poison is another man's nectar, clearly. <laughs> to be fair as well, I mean, this is this is a good thing because we disagreed on the start of the film. Now we're disagreeing again. <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 a film for debate. Who knew that me and you would watch a film and then disagree about it? Who could have possibly seen that coming? I will say, to give it a bit of positivity, I, I wasn't... Number one, it's not the worst film I've seen. This isn't like a conclusion, I'm just saying. It's not the worst film I've seen. I've seen far worse. And I was entertained. Felt longer than it's time, but, I, you know, I always had something to watch. Something to pick apart and... Uh, Criticise. So, I hate to do this, but guess what happens now? After we've had this, like, fake, oh, this this is uh, an issue, this is created by the network to scare us, we, we do another task and have more directions. I'm like, are you fucking serious? But these directions get me even more mad. And let me tell you for why. Because we can see Angel, it's like in front of the monitor, reading the directions, yet she's reading the directions as if she's looking at a map and working out where they need to go next. So she's like, so you need to take the next left 
then go straight forward. It's a fucking sentence in front of her that says, take the next left, go straight forward. So why is she putting all this like, oh, this is really like difficult to work out, like thoughts into it. Just read the fucking sentence. Is, is that not because we find out eventually that obviously the twist, is that not because of the twist? Is that why she's doing that? To make it look like she's reading from a map? No, because they, they, there's no reason for them to read from a map. Like they, they literally present from the very get-go that actually we told you to read from a map, but really we're going to give you the instructions. Right, okay. I don't know. Um, it just got me so mad. She got me so mad. I was just like, why is she doing this? Why is she, why is she reading it like she's trying to work it out? Why is this crazy rocker chick like with this attitude? She... I'm going to stop you there. She's not a rocker chick. She's fucking emo. That's what she is. She's an Avril Lavigne wannabe. There ain't no rocker about her. Rock. It says rock on her <laughs> t-shirt. Yeah, they don't give those t-shirts to just anyone. Okay. You have to go. There's an exam. There's a practical. You have to headbang continuously for five hours. Exactly. And how many, how many other films where you see a, an actual stereotype of a rocker, do they actually wear t-shirts that say rock? They do in all of them, so that we know immediately just from physically looking at them, this is the um, the outcast of the group. She's wearing eyeliner. She can't fit in with everyone else. And for some reason, when she talks, I shouldn't really do it. But when she talks in this film, for some reason, she pushes her lip against the top teeth constantly. Like a top lip is on a top teeth all the time. As if I'm like, what is that? It's chipmunkitis. Look it up. It's that's, real. That's the twist. It turns out an army of chipmunks have been <laughs> rigging the pri- rigging the prison to capture the unlucky souls who wander in. Classic, classic horror line. Classic horror, old as time. So the the task that you're referring to, Mercer, is that the one where they go to eat the meat? Is that yeah. that's what's next? Yeah. Just eat the fucking meat. It's the, it's not going to kill you. But she's vegetarian. No. And again, no TV show in the world would force a vegetarian to eat meat. Um, but she is vegetarian. So I, can, I can see why it were hard. And I like, I, I will, again, we'll give the film credit where it's due. I like the fact that she ate the meat and then vomited afterwards. Because anyone knows, like, when you've not had something in your system for a long time and then you do, it doesn't like to stay in there, does it? It likes to come straight back out because your body's going, what the fuck have you just done to me? Uh-huh. So I like and it also, um, you know, took away that awful, awful, stereotypical, prissy, dumb, sexy, pouty, look perfect for the camera aspect of the character and give her one moment of realness. Mm-hmm. I'd have just said it if I were vegetarian. For 20 grand in 2011, I would have bet it. 20 okay. grand, I'd eat you, Mercer. <laughs> no, but seriously, if it was something else on the table, then fair. So let's say it was um, it's spider eggs. Uh-huh. Are you eating them? 20 grand. I don't know, mate. You know, tw- 20 grand's a lot of money. Like, maybe. They're only babies. What are they going to do? Just crunch on them. See, so what do you eat? Well, I don't know until it's presented in front of me. But I'm not I mean, ruling it out. 
the fact that there might be some thought behind spider eggs, but human flesh, <laughs> which is what they were making out it was. You're like, oh, you're fucking getting it in my mouth. But they know it's not human flesh, don't they? Yes, they do. Because we learn something about these characters later on. I mean, I, I know me and I know vegetarian me. And I thought by the end of it, what she was eating anyway, it looked like bacon. So it probably wasn't me all along. No, and as you say, here comes the twist at the end after a couple of casual stabbings and also the dude who, when trying to stop Tony being gassed, has the most nonchalant attempt to get to the actual uh, valve. He waits till the room fills up before he moves. <laughs> Although, to be fair, what, what would you expect them to be using? Like, if you were a contestant in a quiz show that was, we're going to pump gas into this room. And there's no way in your mind you'd go, it's going to be dead gas. You'd be <laughs> like, yeah, it's just going to be like dry ice or something. I'll be right. Take Act time. like it is. Act like it's deadly. And get a fucking move on. Because if we're having a dawdle to where everyone's yeah, trying to go. It's too cool for school, man. That's why he's there. They are, they are very cool. As you say, too cool for school. And there's a reason, as we say, they're so cool. After a couple of stab-ins further down the line, we find out that actually what we were led to believe earlier on is actually the truth, as in Connie, the TV exec, is actually being pranked herself. Everyone is in on the joke. Everyone is in on the show. Oh, Everyone oh. is just a cast, and the whole thing is there. Just for her to be get her not comeuppance, that's the wrong word. Her to get her scare on this show. She'd been punked. She has been punked. She had be now. beedled. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Now <laughs> we all secretly know what that means. Um now <sighs> so I like the fact that they give us the twist by saying, oh, it's the network that set it up. And then we go, no, it's not, it's a ghost. Because, you know, we see, like, it's a ghost. Because um, we're, we're watching people die. And you're like, oh, the network can't set it up. So I like the fact that the network has set it up. One thing I did like that I thought was clever, in retrospect, like, when you think about it, is that they kept blurring out the prison warden a lot. And I was like, why do they keep blurring him? Like, why do they... Like, you know, we, we know that the warden's there. So, like, when he's coming forward, why is he blurred? And then you're like, all right, because there's three different people playing the warden. So it's just probably to stop us from going, oh, yeah, multiple people. So I quite like that. And I did like the twist. Now, can I ask a question? I guess. Everybody was involved, yeah? Yeah. So why is that crazy fool, um, Angel, still running around like a madman screaming about her brother getting killed? But it's because, over. Because she saw him actually dead. Like, actually dead. Yeah, she sees him get his throat slashed when he's hanging upside down. Yeah, but they all know that he's hanging upside down because the very first thing that he says to Connie is, um, you go and get Tony and whatever, and I'll go and get Dixon and Stanton. So, like, it, it, it's part of the plan. Now, I have another question. And I've got to revert back 
We only agreed sure. on one question, sir. Where's this second question come from? You are out of your question quotas for the day. Because these are things that drive me crazy. So, right, we're just reverting back to before we realise it's um, a trick. And Angel's task in a pre-set up video that's been done before they get there, yeah, is to find an office and find a key which will unlock Tony from the gas chamber. Fair enough, we've watched her get Tony locked in mm-hmm. by and Dixon from his underground coffin. Now, Dixon gets locked in his underground coffin by the warden. And Connor was under the belief that there was nobody else inside that building with them. So who was locking him in that underground coffin for her to need to go and get a key to unlock him? Maybe the idea was that he thought he were locked in or they thought he were locked in, but he actually wasn't. He unlocked it to get to, to open it. It, it might be the fact that she obviously then realised that they've got the three wardens in on it and she, they see him lock it on the camera. So she's like, okay, so we must need a key to get Dixon out as well because we see, even though it's not something I was aware of to begin with, I now know that they were there and that looks, that must be real. But the clown video is a pre-recorded video telling them what the tasks are. I don't know. I like to pick flaws. To me, that's the, that's what it's one of them things that get me mad because I'm like, all right. So we know it's fake because we've we've got this twist where actually it's fake. Um, but everything was pre-done, so for anything to veer away from that, like for Connor, it shouldn't veer away from it too much. So for her, she shouldn't. She would never have planned to have him locked in that ground. So. She would never have planned to have a video saying we need a key to unlock him. That would only happen if, obviously, the company have locked him in and then they said we need a key. So that did my head in. Um, also, what did my head in was, and I just don't know why she did it, when the warden comes to kill her, where she just turns the neck like he's Dracula. <laughs> See, I thought it was more Godzilla with all that oh. screaming and the blue just flying around. Like, fucking Shin Godzilla up in this bitch. Oh, I, I honestly thought she would like giving herself to to Dracula. Like she just drops, she opens her neck up to him and just stands. And I'm just like, why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> you just run with like angel girl. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You run out. It's all right. She's she's still running. She's not. She's not stopped. She never stops. Oh so, God. Her performance at end is just ridiculous. Yeah. Before so before we get to the end end mm-hmm. so yeah so we've had the the reveal that it's actually all all on connie then bizarrely people start dying dying for real i've only watched this yesterday and i'm still not sure where that comes from or why or if they even explain it electricity like i don't know elect electric entities a supernatural charged electricity? Supernatural discharge. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had to say I like supernatural discharge. I mean, I don't actually like supernatural discharge. I've never had it. I don't think, anyway. But, like, it's a nice term. Nice, loosely. Um, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, just rumbling. Um, I don't know where it comes from, but it's funny. Because we've just done all this. Oh, 
We've just done the big reveal. My favorite reveal is Randall Gwynn. Pretty good for a straight guy, huh? Do you know the one who played the game? Like, no, not really, man. Like, I'm not used to love this up. No. Oh, God, huh? Yeah. No. I am. But I got an acting degree from RADA. I'm not really a dizzy blonde. I was like, oh, my God, why do I have to be polar opposites to what you were? <laughs> just don't make sense. I've said that, though, about... Um, is it Dixon who's buried under the... Yeah. Yeah. I said I said that about Dixon when he was doing his video, so that should have been a clue right there. Is that obviously they've got him doing all this jargon when he's acting as the character, but then on his uh, on his audition tape, he's like, "Yeah, so my fear is more and more and he's proper posh about it. And I should have known then that something was up. To be fair, um, we we should be thankful that when they went polar opposites, we didn't have Tony just standing there walking to, into a wall while eating shit. <laughs> yeah, what's what's the opposite of a genius? <laughs> you, Chris. Um... <laughs> oh, oh. oh. oh but yeah, um, I don't know where that ending comes from. The the warden just appearing out of nowhere. But it's you know, I like the fact that it gives us. I'm not going to say it did it well, but like that double twist ending. Um, because I think a lot of films used to, used to really go for that, like we'll give you a twist and then we'll twist it again to blow your mind. Um, and I quite like that it did it, but it was just like, eh, all right, right. Uh, and they were just like I don't even know why they're all scream, like why are they all holding their ears and praying blood. Excess supernatural charge. That's why. Go on then, take us out with the end scene then, Fade. I know you wanted to. <sighs> So they actually show the end scene in the trailer, if you go back and look at it. Um, it's just stupid. It's like she's run out of this building, the camera guy's on her, and rather than turning around, like everyone should do in a horror and just forgets to do every single time because the screaming and all this shit, they should just turn around and go, these are the facts, this is what we need to do. So when he's going, oh, I'm going to film you, I'm feeling like, get out of my face. It's like, no, just tell him what exactly is going on so you can get back in there and get the issue sorted. Don't run the camera. Fucking hell. Oh, also, I love how he immediately stopped doing his job in the trailer as soon as the twist was obviously done. But for some reason, knew to have a camera in his hand ready to film Angel running out. Who, again, why is she running? Why? Why are you running? <laughs> no. You thought it was fake, or did you think it was real? I don't understand. I don't understand her character at all. Yeah, um, I've literally, my last words I have put is literally just, ending was horrid. Because that stupid get out of my face was just like, are you having a fucking laugh, you know? Like, mm. can't we just have one twist the neck round or something? On camera. And then, and then finish. I think it would be funnier if she ran... And she ran straight onto a spike through those shoes. And then everyone would be like, we told you not to wear ballet bumps. And then got sepsis and ended yep. up in a calm. And then 20 days later died. <laughs> as, the, as the movie played out over the next several years. <laughs> now, it is, a, I'm going to say, it's not the best film, but it's not the like you said, it's not the worst I've seen. And then it's got like a bit of a decent cast as well. 
Yeah, Final Destination 3 guy. Yeah. He's also in Wrong Turn 2. Is he? Yeah. I was not aware of that. And then the girl who played Angels in, like, The Canal um, and things like that. (laughs) But the cast are all kind of, like, pretty decent. I just just hate this whole... Because it's, like, it's a British horror film, but done in America with... But it's primarily British and Irish cast members. Yeah. uh, And then all the Russians playing prison guard. um, Like, 20,000 Russians, I heard for him. Um... And then the token American, because it had to be American. I think what is said, though, is it was, um, what's his name? Alex Orwell? Alex Orwell. The director. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's his one and only film. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is. I'm looking at IMDb right now. It is his one and only film. But there's nothing wrong with that. You know, made a film. Didn't make, About didn't so, make yeah. the worst film I've ever seen. So he's the he's the more than we he's the more than we have. He's actually yeah. gone out and made a film and got it released. Yeah, but what I mean is the film wasn't, in my opinion, had a lot more. I think he he had a lot more promise, like you know, for for doing something else. So it's always a shame to see someone make a film and not be the only one because you know they've got visions and ideas and. The problem is, if you remember back to 2011, this film is very in keeping with, I mean, it might be an exaggeration to say hundreds, but with so many that came out that were doing this sort of thing. And it was almost like they were trying to live off what was happening before in terms of reality TV show. And it were kind of dying out in a way. It wasn't as popular as it was in like your, your big brother days and such. So there wasn't really an interest for it, but especially the double twist ending, that was happening a lot. So you kind of get lost amongst it all, you know, in a sea of this is happening everywhere. And I think there's been better reality TV-based movies from years before. So things like My Little Lie had a much better kind of edge to it than than this and a, a better... Not not going to say a better concept, but a more believable concept than what this presented to you. Yeah. So I think we've sifted through all the evidence and taken this apart pretty well. So just by way of finalising your thoughts on this case, I'm going to give both of you one sentence. So Mercer, would you like to go first? No. Go on then, Faye. Schlocky fun, but could have done better. Nice ideas, but doesn't follow through. And I would say, fun while it lasts, won't bother revisiting. Brilliant. Okay, so that sums up. As this is falling under our Spit Grey's umbrella, it wouldn't be us without giving it a grade. We've all scored it individually on this occasion ourselves. And the task has come out with a D minus. So that is the grade for this particular case. If you wish to follow us on our further investigations moving forwards, you can always find us on our socials. We are at SpitGrades on both Twitter and Instagram. We are I Spit on Your Grades on Facebook. 
And should you wish to email us, you can contact us at electricpossums at gmail.com. But until next time, case closed.